0: Just like the first disciples, Teach Us to Pray should be eagerly and always on the lips of every follower of Jesus. I'm Luke Heisler. This is the Teach Us to Pray podcast. I've been taking another look at the ways I was taught to pray over the past year and a half or so. I'm wanting to continue and deepen that journey for myself and provide a kind of roadmap for others on the way. And so, this is a limited exploration through Christian prayer where we'll take a look at the different marks of a prayerful life, talking with some friends about what it means to pray until we become prayer. In these conversations, we'll be trying to break prayer down to its most basic form, communion of the mind with God, learning together how to become people marked by the presence of God in both the secret place and the public square. Thanks for listening. Let's dive in. hey welcome back to the podcast Um, today we're gonna be talking about uh, two things that are really foreign to me because i grew up in a super baptist um, environment that didn't really have any emphasis on this uh, which is okay but um, maybe i wish that we did and uh, i didn't have a super fleshed out view of christian practice growing up but um, today we're gonna be talking about fixed hour prayer and the physicality of prayer um, there's a uh, an amazing Augustine, I think, quote. I, I wasn't able to nail, nail down who exactly said it, but I think it was Augustine um, who said that the, the body is the soul's call to prayer, or something along those lines. And so uh, we just kind of nerd out about that. Uh, my guest is uh, Reverend Chase Edgar. He's an Anglican priest um, around here in uh, Anderson, South Carolina. Um, actually, uh pastoring a a church plant um, called Church of the Ascension Um, it's a really cool church and uh, I have a lot of friends that go there and um, yeah Chase is a great guy and we just have a ton of fun in this episode and uh, he provides some really really helpful insights um, that were uh, really helpful to me personally because of sort of being divorced from this uh, section of the church all growing up Um, so yeah uh, thanks for tuning in I'm really excited about this episode, here we go. Hey, welcome back to the podcast. Um, I'm here today with, well, just go ahead and introduce yourself, I guess.
1: Yeah. um, I'm Chase Edgar. I am a church planter, an Anglican church planter here in Anderson, Um, have just been here for about five months now, so Mm -hmm. we're in the very early days of that. Um, And uh, yeah, I'm the husband of Jess and the dad to Mary Andrew, and um, yeah.
0: Amazing. What do you like and what do you not like?
1: Just Just generally? broad strokes, yeah. I I like baseball. Okay. Uh, I like theology. Um, I like um, spending time with my family. Mm. Um, I don't like being stuck in traffic. Mm. Um, I don't like um, overly critical people. Mm. Uh, I don't know.
0: Yeah. There's a couple things. That's good. That's a good overview of what you like and what you don't like. Um, Today, we're talking about two things that are kind of related. Um, The physicality of prayer, and maybe that phrase doesn't make any sense to anyone else, but it makes sense to me, which I guess is what's important.
1: (laughs) I think it makes sense. Okay,
0: cool. Um, And fixed hour prayer, which is a, a thing that... I feel like more people than I realized are really familiar with, Mm -hmm. um, I mean, I was not familiar with it growing up, um, in like a super fundamental Baptist, um, hardcore evangelical conservative politically, all, all of the things that make up like the, like really, 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 uh, Baptist Baptists, which is like cool if you're Baptist, but it was not cool for my circle growing up. Um. Yeah, we, we didn't talk about that. We, I mean, the closest we got was like the morning, noon, and night from uh, Daniel sure, uh, and sure. some of the Psalms. Um, but other than that, like, I didn't know about the daily offices and things like that. And we'll, and we'll get into those um, later on in the episode. Um, yeah, I guess just to dive right in, um, I love James K. Smith. Uh-huh. We've talked about him before. Sure, I think that his book, You Are what You Love, is really great. And he has this new book called How to Inhabit Time that I've not picked up yet. Um, but it's essentially, if you are what you love is the physical of, like, how we worship ordinarily. How to inhabit time is the, like, temporal, like, the like uh, the more ethereal of, mm-hmm. like, how we worship ordinarily. So those things in mind, how do you think that time and space are both maybe uniquely and also, like, tied together? Um, integral to, like, prayer, praying, and, like, daily worship. Sure, sure. Um, I guess, in other words, like, what's the significance of praying in set ways, in set places, at set times?
1: Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I think one of the things um, that we you know, is important to start with is that, you know, sometimes unhelpfully, I think we draw this distinction between, um, you know, sort of prayer being the spiritual part of our lives Mm. and then other things being, you know, the sort of physical part of our lives. Um, And we have to remember that those things can't be separated. Mm. Um, That's just the way that God has um, ordered the world. It's the way he's created us. We're embodied beings, right? Um, And so any attempt to, whether purposeful or inadvertent, in any attempt to sort of separate those two things, I think, doesn't do justice to um, the kinds of beings that we are, um, which are embodied beings. And that's a good thing, right? Mm. Um, God, God has made us um, with bodies. And yeah. so thinking about um, the, the fact that um, he's, he's made this, the stuff of everyday life, which includes us. Mm. Um, but he's also made time and space and, and not only made it, but he himself has entered into mm. it in the person of Jesus. Um, and, and, um, he, he made it good, right? It's, it's been, um, marred, um, but he has redeemed it. He's, he is redeeming it. He mm-hmm. will redeem it. Yeah. Um, and so, um, all of that stuff, time and space and, and just the, the, um, the stuffness mm. of the world, if You're you right. will, um, is is really good um, mm. and ought to be part of caught up into um, our prayer life, I think.
0: Mm. Do you think that by kind of uh, to steal his word, like consciously inhabiting space and time in a way that is worshipful and prayerful, do you think that, or, or I guess a better way of phrasing this is like, how does that allow us to become participants in the redemption? Of it all.
1: Sure. Well, I think and I, I'm not familiar with Jamie's new book. Yeah. Um but neither am I. I. I think um in in some ways um there's a level at which um we're we're just not conscious right. of our hmm. inhabiting of time and space. We just do, right? Yeah, like right, that, right. that's how the world works. Um not to say that we shouldn't find ways to be conscious about mm-hmm. that and, and, and find ways to sort of be thoughtful about our prayer um, life and, and how it relates to all of that mm. kind of stuff. But I think at some sort of fundamental level, um, we just do inhabit those mm. things. Um, and, and by inhabiting them, um, God has made us to inhabit time and space. Um, and by doing that, we're, we're um, at some level doing what we were created to do, mm. right? Just to just live in it um, and to operate in that. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, I think then the, the conversation moves on to um, maybe this is what Jamie Smith is getting at, but yeah. but sort of saying like, okay, taking that for, you know, taking that for granted or understanding that um, as as sort of fundamental mm. to the way that the world works. Um, yeah. How can we be thoughtful mm. about um you know, how that plays out or comes to bear on our prayer life. Um, I mean, I would say like, we're, we're just, um, we're time bound creatures, mm-hmm. right? Like it, it just makes sense. We're creatures of habit. And so I right. think to sort of like lay claim to that and just sort of like own up to that and say like, look, we're not trying to sort of like escape uh-huh. our time boundness at this point. right? Um, um, but, but to press into it, to live into it, um, And and to say, okay, well, maybe because we're such um, we're we're so tied to time, Mm. um, maybe uh, let's let's allow our prayers to be shaped by that. Like our Mm. the whole rest of our life is shaped by that.
0: Yeah, I think there's a tendency, especially in like the the more modern now like Christian practice and thought and whatever, like at large, to think about ourselves and like the I guess this is only really a a little tiny part of what the Gnostics were doing like that like the fact that we are physical and the fact that we are bound to time are like those are bad things somehow Um, and I think there's so much to do to kind of break that down and combat that and I think things like rules of life and daily offices and things like that are are ways to begin to, and maybe you only do those things for a time, and then it just becomes sort of what you do and who you are anyways. And so you're ordering your day and you're establishing rhythms and patterns in your day of prayer, of practice. I I mentioned this in another episode, but um, Bridgetown Church in Portland, uh, John Mark Comer is their founding pastor. I love their way of talking about a rule of life, um, which is like order your day around three things, um, time to be with Jesus, time to do the Jesus, do the things that Jesus did and time to become like Jesus. And I think that inhabiting time in a way that is conscious of those things and the things that we're called to do and be is key in inhabiting time well and inhabiting space well as well. Um, Yeah. There's an Augustine quote. Uh, I think it's Augustine. I don't know. I've been trying to find like who actually said it. I read it in a book about prayer and I can't remember which one it was. Otherwise it would be easy to find. Um, (laughs) But it's the body is the soul's call to prayer. Or maybe he says mind. He uses those as the same thing all the time. Um, And I I also think of the work of like James K. Smith and Tish Harrison Warren Mm -hmm. um, with Liturgy of the Ordinary and Um, talking about like how what we do in the mundane shapes like our souls and affects like who we are on that level. And then even C.S. Lewis talks about the importance of the physical body in prayer and Uh like the physical space in prayer. Um, He has a quote, the body ought to pray as well as the soul. Body and soul are both better for it. So like all of those things, how do we keep that in mind when we approach prayer? And I guess why is that important? Important because, like, I think prayer is important for two things. It's one important because it's the language we use in relation to God. Like, it's how we relate to God is through prayer. But also, it's like out of that, and we see this in the life of Jesus. Out of that flows better relation to others. So, I guess like when we do regard the physical, whether it's our own bodies and our posturing and things like that or the spaces in which we pray and how those actually matter, um, et cetera, et cetera. Like, what does that do? How do we do that? And why should we do that? Sure, sure.
1: Yeah, I mean, you know, one of the things that, um, you know, I feel like people learn as a little kid is, you know, you sort of uh, bow your head and close your eyes and fold your hands together. Um, And and I think, you know, rightly so, there's a reaction against that in the sense that, um, you know, nobody's saying that in order for your prayer to to work or something, yeah. you you have to do those right. things, right? I, I, nobody I don't think wants to be sort of owning up to to holding that position. Um, mm. But there is really, be, because we're embodied beings, there is something I think that can be really important and really helpful to us mm. in doing those sorts of things, right? Like um, closing my eyes does in some ways help close out some distractions, yeah. right? And, and to give myself fully to this time that I've set aside to pray. Um, bowing my head um, or or thinking sort of even further down the road of that, kneeling, um, Mm -hmm. or even, you know, there's this um, um, tradition um, in in the church of lying prostrate, right? Mm -hmm. Like lying flat out on your Mm -hmm. face um, before the Lord. Um, I I don't know if you've ever done that um, in prayer, but um, you sort of feel like uh, silly a little bit, um, maybe. And, um, but in the silliness, at least for me, I'm sort of turned back to the fact, um, that, that who am I, um, Mm. that God would be mindful of me. You know, the, the Psalmist says, you know, um, you know, um, sort of being mindful, you know, I'm, I'm just a worm, right? Uh-huh. You know, like I, I'm nothing um, compared to the God yeah. of the universe. Even Nebuchadnezzar, right, um, <laughs> understands that. Um, and so I think for me, at least, you know, putting myself in that physical posture, which I don't, like, I don't kneel before anybody else in yeah. our world, right? Um, but we still get, I think, at the end of the day, that kneeling is this sign of reverence, mm-hmm. um, or, or even just bowing is a sign of reverence. Um, and... Um, and, and it makes me mindful of of who I am in the relationship yeah. as I come to speak um, with with my Lord, my God. You know, um, and so I think um, th- those things, um, are, while they're not necessary, I think can be really, really helpful, mm-hmm. um, and and helpful enough that that I think that's why people start talking about like, well, maybe you ought to do those things mm-hmm. when you pray, right? right? Um, I don't know. If, 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 if that makes any sense or um yeah anything like that but
0: yeah i think and it's it, i'm i'm glad to see that there's this kind of resurgence and like re-sensitivity to that um of like cuz growing up I, that wasn't an option <laughs> raising your hands even in worship or prayer or whatever wasn't an option um it just ever mm-hmm. like there wasn't even like a time like well you can do that at this time but like now you can't and then coming to school and diving into a church that like does that Mm -hmm. all the time it was like really jarring to me um but i think there's a flip side to that right there's a feel there's the the feeling pressure to do something because other people are doing it and i think especially in spaces of corporate worship that really crops up in the physical right because you see people do the thing and it goes back to what you're saying like closing your eyes helps you focus i think like there's so much to, this is, this keeps coming up in this series, which is great. And I love it. And, uh, it was just such an accident, (laughs) but like what praying does to our sight, like spiritual and, and Mm -hmm. like actually literal, um, like it gives us new eyes to see new things, um, and to see things in a different light, um, whether it's justice or compassion or whatever it is, um, peace. Like, thinking of, like, all the different traditions of prayer, like intercession, contemplation, um, singing and and praise and worship and things like that, um, just gives gives new eyes to people. And so thinking of, like, the connection between visual concentration and spiritual concentration, that's a really physical thing. And so it makes sense that if you're in this space, the enemy is going to use the... The thing that prayer is supposed to, like, reform to draw your attention elsewhere, mm-hmm. um, whether it's your mind's eye or your your actual eye and seeing other people, like, do these things. And then maybe you feel like you have to do them, so then you do them too, but you don't really mean them. They're not genuine. Um or no one else is doing something. No one else is taking any other posture than standing there or sitting there. And so you feel like, even though the spirit is like, hey, maybe like kneel (laughs) Uh Uh Um, or sit down or whatever, Um, you're like, no, no one else is doing that. I don't wanna be weird. I don't wanna draw attention to myself, et cetera, et cetera. And that's a really tricky balance. I think it definitely was for me coming to such a different sort of tradition. Um, Maybe not tradition, just I, I guess stylistically and uh-huh. like aesthetically um, different, um, but yeah.
1: yeah, one one of the things that sort of comes to my mind with that too, because I think you're right, right? Um, sincerity is what matters uh-huh. to God. Um, N- not sort of, oh, I'm just gonna do this stuff because I feel like I yeah. should or, or whatever. Um, he, he is interested in in the sincere thoughts of your hearts. And um, we see that, I mean, the psalmist is, is such a wonderful example mm-hmm. of this, you know, um, praying some really difficult things. Um, but if we see the book of um, the Psalms as mm-hmm. instruction um, for prayer, um, we see that if we're gonna take that as instruction, we're being instructed to bring those sorts of things to God, right? right. Um, but but sort, sort of along the lines of instruction, um, so there's the sincerity bit. Um, but there's also, I think, a helpfulness in, um, at least in my tradition, the Anglican tradition, um, when we confess our sins corporately mm-hmm. on Sunday mornings together or even, you know, at morning or evening prayer mm-hmm. throughout the week. Um, the, the rubrics, the sort of things that tell you what to do, when and where, yeah. um, often say, you know, the the people kneel. Um, And I think that there's something important about that, too, that even when I maybe sort of don't feel like kneeling or um, I don't know if I want to or whatever the case may be, um, giving myself to that anyways and sort of recognizing that the church um, has seen fit over a long period of time. To say no, like when you confess your sins, it it actually is good for mm-hmm. you um, to do this. Not to say that you must or anything like that, yeah. but but um, yeah, this this actually could be a really good idea mm-hmm. for you, um, even in the midst of my uncertainty or th- that sort of thing. So I don't know. There's there's sort of a, a balance there, maybe, yeah. or um, you know different folks will sort of toe that line differently um, or, or lean to one side or the other. Um, but I think that there's maybe something particularly helpful about that and that it's actually sort of instructing us and informing the ways in which we come to prayer uh, mm. privately and individually, yeah. right? Um, th- the way that we pray um, corporately together certainly informs how we'll go to our oh, private prayers. Oh, of course. has um,
0: massive so, implications for that. And, yeah. and I had a conversation about like corporate praise and worship and, and song as prayer specifically. And like, we kind of were trying to do some work at the end of the episode to like reframe, like how do you insert that into your, your time of like personal devotion and, and individual prayer. And it was really hard. Like it was difficult to, to think of ways just because I think a lot of times we don't think of like corporate, the this, this sort of approach that we take to corporate praise and worship and prayer we can't think of individual prayer in that same sort of way or in that same sort of approach because I just think that a disconnect has been cultivated. Um, not to say that like that's correct or like it's good or, or bad even. Mm-hmm. I think it just happens um, or intentional even. Um, so that was a, an interesting conversation to try to draw back on that and like maybe take back a little of the, the connection between those things. Um, I'd love to hear more about like because I, I, think, I think Protestants at large are, like, really bad at, like, the physical world. <laughs> mm. um, and, like, specifically, I mean, I have a lot of uh, Reformed friends, whether they're, like, Reformed Baptists or Reformed, um, uh, like, they're Presbyterians or, mm. or whatever. Um, and, like, I love them. But they, like, get super weird about images uh-huh. and, like, uh, iconography or, um, like... At, like candles they're weird about. Like ascribing symbolic meaning to physical things uh-huh. just in general is like a weird thing for that, uh, for for them, for some of my friends. And even like – even still as I'm exploring sort of the orthodox position uh-huh. <laughs> on those things, uh, now I'm like – because of how I was raised, I'm like really having to push myself to, to think that those things are good. Uh-huh. Um, and so I'd love to hear like your thoughts, you know, being – in the Anglican tradition, um, I think one of few Protestant traditions that really, really do that well, um, that aren't afraid of, of images and aren't afraid of, like, symbolic meaning and things like that um, because it recognizes what it is and what it's doing. So I'd love to hear, like, some of your thoughts about that and maybe challenges, encouragements, anything. Sure, sure. Yeah, I mean, one of the first things that comes to my mind is um, space,
1: like just thinking about worship space. Mm-hmm. Um, and and I mean, I think uh, I don't know tons and tons about architecture, but I think on the whole, like ask any architect, like does space and the the way that a space is designed huh. affect us? Yeah. And and I think almost everybody's going to say, of course, absolutely. Oh. Um I remember hearing this story about this architect who, you know, was sort of like, if I wanted to um, design a house to ensure that a couple would be divorced in a couple years, I could do it Um, because the way that we sort of um, inhabit space um, actually affects us. Yeah, there's Um, sorry. And well, and so just sort of like um, being open to that reality and just sort of saying like um, uh, owning up to it and saying like, no space does affect us, whether we want it to or not, Mm -hmm. um, whether we're okay with it affecting us or not. Um, it just does. Mm. Um, and so, you know, one of the things that you, you get, um, I don't know if you've ever been in a space like this, but, you know, you think of these big grand cathedrals Mm. with these huge um, ceilings um, and and your eyes just are naturally lifted up. Whether Uh I think whether you're a Christian or you're not and you're walking into a tour of some, you know, big cathedral Mm -hmm. in England or something, um, your your eyes are just naturally drawn up by the architecture, like the Mm. architect meant for that to happen. Um, And so... um, but but that's a good thing, right? As we're entering in this space, which is um, set apart for the worship of God, um, our, our eyes are lifted up away from ourselves, mm. um, and um, and and towards, hopefully, our hearts and mm-hmm. minds towards God Himself. Um, so that's that's one thing that comes to my mind mm. in sort of this um, it, using earthly things right. um, in. And for worship, um, I think about you know stained glass windows mm-hmm. and um, just images or candles, um, and um, I mean we we just have sort of baked into the way that we conceive of the world. Um, there's something about light, mm-hmm. um, a, a flame maybe. Mm-hmm. Um, that just carries all sorts of certain connotations with it, um, that we just sort of like, we, we don't like darkness Uh, where, you know, people are, are scared of the darkness more often than they're scared of the light. Uh, Mm. we're drawn to light. Um, and, um, and, and so uh, allowing those, um, to be part of our worship, um, it communicates stuff to us about him who is the light, Mm. right? Um, God says about himself that he is the light. Mm. Um, and so all of those things can serve as reminders to us um, about the goodness of the world that he's created yeah. um, and and that he um, is
0: redeeming and
1: all that sort of stuff. Mm. I don't know if that's sort of where you were thinking oh, yeah, for in that sure. direction or not. but
0: Yeah. I mean, uh, the other day was All Saints Day. Sure. And I remember I was having a conversation with a few friends, and one of my friends was like, he goes to a Baptist church uh, in the area and they celebrated All Saints Day. Like that was a whole service. And um, it like lit candles, like all the things for all the faithful departed, things like that. Uh-huh. And, you know, like the, the traditional celebrations of, of that day and observation, I guess it might be a, a better word. Mm-hmm. It's kind of a somber day for, for some people. Sure. Um, I, I think it can be both. Yeah, yeah. for sure. Yeah. Of course. Um, and I remember the other friend that was sitting with us got kind of like super weird about it. And like, but like lighting candles for like the dead and he was like well yeah don't we like put flowers at graves like it's the same thing except it's more weight to it because we're recognizing that these people aren't actually dead they're worshiping with us they're That's still true. a part of the the church alongside of us um and it's just like conversations like that that make me really excited Because – and then he was, like, receptive to it. He was like, oh, that's actually really cool. I've never thought of it that way. I've just always been taught that that's, like, a weird thing. And, I mean, even growing up, I was taught that things like that, like uh, the rosary, Uh is, like, sin and, like, evil. Um, And, like, the church that I was, like – like, this is a long, long time ago, and I was, like, in kindergarten or whatever. I remember just from now hearing my parents talk about it and how, like, they're now realizing that it was kind of – super wacky, like demonic. Mm. And I'm like, what in the world? Like a gateway for like the evil forces of darkness to come into your life um, by lighting candles for All Saints Day. (laughs) Uh And uh, that aversion is just so crazy to me. Like I I don't, not crazy. I don't want to like paint anyone as like being bonkers for thinking, you know, having the convictions they have. But, But it is not, Traditionally, what has been held to in the last 2000 years mm-hmm. of, of church history, um, which is really fascinating. Yeah. There's been such a departure.
1: Sure. Well, one of the interesting things to me is is our ability, and when I say our, like, yeah. include myself in this, um, to sort of, like, insist on the possibility of those bad things being true. Right. Um, while while also insisting that none of the good stuff could be true about that, those mm. sorts of things. Yeah. So, like, for example... Um, if if I stood up in church well I, I do stand up as a priest in church every Sunday um and and I pronounce a blessing um on on the Lord's behalf right it's uh-huh. not my blessing right. but it's God's blessing for his people um and, and I stand up and I pronounce this blessing and I, I think a lot of times we're sort of like well that was nice you know like yeah. the, the priest stood up and said some nice <laughs> words and you uh-huh. know um, but we don't give it much thought if I stood up one Sunday morning and I said, um may all of you um you, you know sort of catch some horrible disease and may everybody be childless and all that i mean people would freak out uh-huh. right um but there's this sort of like different understanding mm. of those two things, right? Like on the on the good side, um, we're saying that God actually does want to and is blessing His people yeah. with these good things, and we're sort of like, okay, well that's nice, you know. Mm. Um, whereas on the other hand, if we say something more akin to the, the to the latter example, um, we freak out, and I think it betrays the fact that we actually do believe um, that. Um, the, the angels and archangels and the principalities and powers and all like th- that's very very real. Yeah. Um, but I think sometimes we give too much of the the realness to the oh, one yeah. side and not to the other. Um, yeah. And and anyways, that's a little bit disconnected from our conversation. But thinking about that then in terms of um, you know lighting a candle uh-huh. and and thinking about the all the. The, the good parts of mm-hmm. that um, and the, the remembrance of those who have gone before us and who have, um, God has been faithful to, to the end. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, but then our sort of like, Oh, well, it, you know, it could only be bad or I don't know.
0: Yeah. Right. Um, what, like what do you think for, for someone who is not in the Anglican tradition for someone who is maybe in a tradition that even like, and they're, they're, experience and culture in the the church they are a part of is not – doesn't have an aversion to those things. They just don't do them. They just don't really practice them. Like what is your encouragement to someone who is wanting to sort of inject some of this into their personal like individual prayer life? Um, Because then I think like that bleeds into small groups and then that bleeds into culture and then that bleeds into – Congregation, right? So, like, what are some ways that you think, like, what are some things that are helpful in thinking about this for the the individual?
1: Mm. Yeah, I mean, I think a starting point is to to just sort of own the tradition of the church over the mm. years, right? Like to to sort of look to some of these things and say, um, my um, rejection of this, that, or the other, Mm -hmm. um, is actually out of step with the majority of Christians across the majority of time and space, um, in the world. Um, and to just own that and to (laughs) say, you know, people might think I'm goofy for, um, I don't know, doing any of these things, um, that, that we've been talking about. Um, but like, I'm just going to say, okay, well, you know, maybe, maybe I was wrong and maybe, um. We're wrong in our assumptions about these things if if God through his church has mm. seemed to allow for and even uh, encourage lots of these things yeah. um, over the last you know two thousand so years mm. um, so so th- I think that's one thing is just sort of mm-hmm. um, don't, don't be afraid to to own it um, you know don't don't feel uh, ashamed to to sort of step into these things and yeah. explore some of these things Um I, I think um, I think too, like doing things, like going at your own speed too. Um, yeah. Like I, I know any number of folks who um, you know have come to Anglican churches and said, "Okay, I think I want to be you know part of this," or or just a, a more liturgical church tradition mm-hmm. generally. I don't want you know doesn't have to be Anglican. Right. Right. Um, but, you know, one of the things often in liturgical churches, there's a procession um, with the cross behind the cross and um, people bow as the cross goes by, not to the cross or the person carrying the cross, but to Jesus himself, who's yeah. our Lord. Right. Um, and and not feeling like, oh, if I'm going to sort of like really get into this, I have to do that, even though it makes me so uncomfortable every time. Right. Yeah. Like um, you can wait on that. Right. Like, I mean, take take it slow. Mm-hmm. Um, um and I would say just dive into, um, yeah, dive into the traditions of the church. Yeah. You know, like if you're interested in it, excited about it, find somebody who knows about it, find some books that talk yeah. about it, um, and and just see what's there. Um, yeah. Hopefully, hopefully those people in those books too will, um, you know, sort of constantly be pointing mm-hmm. to the scriptures mm-hmm. too, yeah, right? Um, and and showing that um, these things aren't mutually exclusive. Right. So
0: yeah. What would what are some of your like? if you had to say like three books that have been helpful for you or, you know, that have been helpful for other people um, or just like resources in general?
1: Yeah. Um, So I think, I mean, one of the, one of the things um, I I grew up in, in the Anglican tradition, Mm -hmm. so I haven't sort of come to it and and had to sort of get over some of these hurdles that, that other people do. Um, which is not you know, yes. necessarily a good or bad thing. Um, I, I think one book that I would point people to is um, a book called Beyond Smells and Bells by Mark Galley. Mm. Um, it's just really good about sort of, um, yeah, moving beyond. It's not just smells and bells, yeah. but these things are actually pointing us right. ultimately to Jesus, right? That's, that's what it's all about, mm. right? At the end of the day is Jesus and all of these things yeah. um, when they're done appropriately right. um, are the things that... Um, engender in us, um, mm. in, in, flame and live in our hearts, um, towards loving him. Mm. Um, and so obviously you get a human person, uh, that's redundant, a, a human right. being, um, you get a human being, um, involved in any of this uh-huh. and it goes South really quick, right? Like, a—I have an incredible ability to take any of these things and let them or, you know, other things get in the way of, of Jesus yeah. being yeah. front and center, um,
0: Your creativity
1: and what you can use. But ideally, Mm -hmm. um, they they would all be pointing me to Jesus. Um, So Beyond Smells and Bells by Mark Galley. Um, I'm trying to think um, about books that are are sort of uh, connected to this specifically, sort of ritual Mm. or or, um, images, that sort of thing. Um, You know, one of the things that would just be really interesting is to sort of look at the church fathers um, and and see what they're saying. They say some... um, Pretty crazy stuff, um, in a good way, <laughs> yeah. um, but sort of crazy to our ears. Um, and and just to sort of go, wow, like these guys who were the disciples of the disciples uh-huh. are, are talking about things in this way. Um,
0: yeah. So, um, so maybe just sort of a blanket, you know, look look to the fathers. Origins you know. got some good stuff. Be careful with origins. <laughs> sure. sure. Toward the end of his life, he got a little wacky. Athanasius too. Most of the yeah. church fathers got a little wacky at, at you know as they got older. Um, Augustine. yeah. Oh. Sweet St. Augustine. Um, yeah, I think of, I mean, we mentioned, you are what you love, that was really helpful for me. sure, sure. Just in the, thor- the sort of the theory of like, what is happening to me when I pray and when yep. I worship, and that I am praying and worshiping to something mm-hmm. and something like all, all of the time. Um, a Liturgy of the Ordinary, we mentioned Tish, Harrison uh, yep. Warren, um, as well was super helpful to me. Um, also like uh, the Book of Common Prayer, like you gave me a copy. Sure. Uh, a while ago now and I've been using it and in my community group and just in my personal devotion. And it has been like, it's been great for me. It's also been really well received by those around me. Mm-hmm. Um, let's see. Uh, every moment. Holy yep. is a really, really cool. Um, if you're like more of a creative, like, Ooh, like out there person, like you'll love that. It's a, a collection of liturgies for a liturgy is like a written down prayer. It's, Bare bones, essentially, what that is, sure. Um, and it's a collection of of these prayers for like, uh there's one for the keeping of bees yeah. and for doing Changing laundry, a diaper, yeah, maybe, right, yeah, or yeah. for like homesickness, sure. uh, losing a loved one, like it, that's the spectrum that it it uh, traverses, and then there's these really cool short ones at the end, like liturgies of the moment, that, to like. Memorize and pray, like, when you see a beautiful sunset or uh-huh. a beautiful person or et cetera, et cetera. Um, that's been really cool for me, really helpful for me, has been for the past two years. That's kind of what got me into, like, I was doing that. And then I was like, hmm, I wonder, like, if I can think of my own actions and my days in this sort of way, uh-huh. not just doing laundry. Like, also, I don't keep bees or change diapers. Mm-hmm. So, like, surely there must be one for – uh I mean, there is one in there for making coffee, but you know what I mean. Yeah. Like, surely recording a podcast. Yeah, yeah exactly. Sure. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, so that helped me to sort of reframe my thinking. Even just practicing those and reading those um, around the dinner table with friends, mm-hmm. or uh, before I sit down to write some fiction or start a book or whatever it is, um, kind of helped me to reframe.
1: Yeah, and I think I think what all of those are are doing um, well is they're they're pointing us to the reality that God really cares about. Um, the little stuff yeah. and just the stuff generally mm. that he's created, yeah. um, and um, and that that all of those are places in which uh, he wants to um, and does meet us. Um, mm. And I think, I mean, that's one of those things. Um, a friend. Years ago, uh, was, was giving some talks on prayer. Um, and he talked about prayer as wasting time with the one you love. Mm. Um, and he, and he started out by saying, you know, think about the handful of people in your life that you would just waste a day with. Right. Um, and, uh, he was like, those are probably some of the people that you're most like that you're closest to in your whole life. Um, and, and he said, why don't we, why aren't we okay with doing that with God? Mm. You know, um, he wants to do that with us. And I think, um, Sort of taking those together, um, mm. he, he wants to meet with us and be with us, um, in, in all of our life, he wants to be Lord over our entire yeah. life, which includes making coffee and keeping bees and that sort of stuff. Yeah, and, um, it, you know, Saint Paul talks about praying without ceasing, and,
0: mm-hmm.
1: um, so, so it's that's just all good stuff, yeah. right? Um, and, and re- reminding us about um, the fact that prayer is. A, a lot bigger than um, the the sort of you know thirty minutes, twelve minutes, an hour that I sit down and, and yeah. give mm-hmm. um, to to quiet or whatever um, during the morning. That's good and well, um, mm-hmm. but but also my whole life can be prayer.
0: Yeah, sort of thinking about the physical and then the the time. I don't know what that word is. Anyway, you know what I mean. Um, like, I think that brings us to a good place to jump into like, okay, so this was foreign to me. I mentioned at the beginning of the episode, what are the daily offices, divine hours, fixed hour prayer, like kind of all those, all three things are saying the same thing. Uh Um, What is that?
1: (laughs) Sure. Sure. Um, Well, you mentioned earlier, Daniel, right? Mm -hmm. Um, So, so there was, um, you know, we look to Daniel, and and they say, "Hey, we can catch this guy because we know that he prays three times a day, right?" Mm-hmm. Um, so there's Daniel. The Psalmist says, "You know, seven times a day I praise yeah. you, um, yep. or, I, or I pray to you." Um, Paul talks, like we just said, about praying without ceasing, mm-hmm. right? Um, and and in the Jewish tradition, there were these um, in the in the synagogue. Um, I believe, maybe I'm getting things mixed up a little bit, uh, three hours you know, yeah. sort of prayer, three times of prayer um, each yeah. day.
0: And then the monastic fathers and right. through and so church they, history. And they're all picking
1: mm-hmm. up on, on all of that stuff, yeah. right? I mean, it, that, that has been part of the life of the people of God um, since way before um, – yeah. Jesus becomes incarnate um, and and so they're continuing in that tradition mm-hmm. and Jesus is continuing yeah. in that tradition right himself and and teaching his disciples to continue um, and that sort of thing he he does some you know interesting stuff you know he says actually when you pray why don't you say our father uh-huh. right and that's revolutionary yeah. in its own right um, so so yeah then you get in sort of the fourth century um, you get this you know sort of monastic movement mm-hmm. that starts to emerge Um and and they're taking all of this sort of stuff, and they're they're saying that's all good stuff. We should be doing that. You know, we <laughs> yeah. should we should be praying like like all of these examples mm-hmm. um, show the people of God praying, um, and and that gets um, y- you know sort of um, solidified and sort of broken up in any number of ways, and yeah. um, particularly you know Saint Benedict is really huge right. um, and sort of. Um, creating some fixed hours for mm-hmm. um those who have given themselves to his rule um and um so you know they they have 8 hours um a, at the end of the day um yeah. th- they have 8 times which the, you know the bells at the monastery are rung and mm-hmm. they stop whatever they're doing whether it's sleeping or working or eating and um they come together and and pray so cool um oh. and um and a and a lot of it is um, the recitation of psalms. Um, mm. If you look at sort of how how Benedict has, I mean, they go through mm. the whole psalter every week. Um, yeah, wow. And um, and and so the, I mean, there's an interesting point too, right? Like we sort of approach you know reading the Bible as its own thing, mm-hmm. um, whereas they would. And I I think that the Book of Common Prayer um, is is trying. Oh, well, no, I know it's trying to teach yeah, this yeah, thing. Right. I think it's I think it's um, it it does its work on people. Um, but helps us to see those as our prayers and to sort of take those on as our own and enter into them. Uh, Yeah. Athanasius,
0: I think said, um, the, most of the Bible speaks to us and the Psalms speak for us. Mm. I love that. I think that's sure. Good.
1: Sure. Um, and, um, so anyways, you know, that's going on. Um, then, you know, this is sort of like way fast forward. Um, but particularly in England um, Mm -hmm. where this sort of survives in a way that it doesn't in some of the continental churches. Right. Um, In England, Thomas Cranmer says, okay, love it. Mm -hmm. You know, um, that's just not tenable yeah. for your average person to, to, to right. keep this sort of, um, prayer life. And so, um, I, I don't want to do away with it, but, uh, I want to make it manageable. And so he basically, to begin with, you know, comes up with morning prayer and evening prayer, mm-hmm. um, where he takes, you know, the four on the front end of the day and yeah. he smashes them all together more or less and the four on the back end of the day and smashes them together and mm. says, you know, here you go. Um, sort of average person in the church, um, maybe this is a little bit more manageable yeah. for you. Um, but to still continue in that tradition of the church um, being always at prayer mm. um, and, and the importance of um, having... Um, I mean, anybody that you talk to that is able to keep a consistent quiet right. time will say somewhere in their explanation of what works for them. Yeah. That they have they always do it at about the same time. Mm-hmm. Right. Um we're just creatures of habit. And yeah. so um I, I think there's something um pastoral about offering something um mm. that says like this is for you in the morning time. Right. Right. Um to say you're a creature of habit and you just need uh if you're gonna do these sorts of things with any regularity? Mm-hmm. You need to create it as a habit um, in your life, and so uh, I think it's sort of a gift in a lot of ways yeah. to, to for for Cranmer to have said here. You know, here are these two places mm. um, on the book end of your day, right? Sort of all encompassing. It seems to right. sort of gather everything up um, in my life at the at the beginning and the end of my day mm. um, in, in a really helpful way. Yeah. So there's a little bit of sort of. Yeah, oh yeah. how how we got to morning mm-hmm. and evening prayer. Right, yeah. So
0: um and I think that's also helpful insight into like what morning and evening prayer actually are. It's this like kind of smushing uh, well, I guess what is focused on what's the difference between morning and evening prayer.
1: So they're about the same. Mm-hmm. Um you um you read the, the readings change yeah. mostly. Um there are different prayers um, oftentimes um, the, the prayers in the morning, you know, we'll talk about, um, Lord, you brought us safely to the beginning of this day, mm. and 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 a request for strength to walk faithfully. Mm-hmm. At the end of the day, you know, you sort of, yeah. you know, brought us to the yeah. to the close of the day. Be with us, protect us in the night. Uh, that that's a little bit sort of weird for us in a world <laughs> where we can just flip the lights on, right? Um, but but when it was just completely dark, uh-huh. I mean, that's scary, right? <laughs> and so uh, there was this really sort of. Um, mm. Understood need for the Lord's protection through the night. It was a scary, vulnerable time. Yeah. So, so you know, you got some differences. The structure, I guess, maybe um, of morning prayer and evening prayer is is identical. Yeah. Um, the prayers that get prayed are a little bit different, and you also are reading, you know, a different mm-hmm. New Testament reading, or you're reading some different psalms. Yeah. Um, at the beginning or end of the day.
0: Mm. So I think the two of us having this conversation are are pretty at different. Points On the spectrum, I would want to say different ends because I think like you mentioned, like you have a wife, you have, you're an adult, more of an adult person than I am. Um, I'm a student in school. So like m- if you're comfortable, like maybe it would be helpful to people listening to explore like our own like rule or rhythm or like whatever word you want to use practice. You know what I mean? Sure. Um, throughout the day, um, because I've been – I just very recently, like, have been trying to do a, a fixed hour prayer moment uh-huh. um, in my days and, and have been kind of – it really is, I think, for the student and for the busy person um, who doesn't have a consistent schedule Monday to Friday. Sure. Um, or does, but it's different day to day, right? Um, it's really experimental. And I feel like it is for for – a lot more people, and I think once we accept that, like, yeah, this isn't something that looks the same for every single person, um, other than maybe, like, the times at which you pray. Yeah. <laughs> but even then, that that could be, like, super different for a nurse versus a, uh, like whatever. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like I have a friend who has a shift that starts at six 15 tonight mm-hmm. and goes to, so he, his morning prayer and evening prayer is not the same time as everyone else's morning prayer and evening prayer. Right. Um, which is really cool. So yeah, I guess I can start or yeah. So I, what I've been trying to do recently is um, cause well, okay. Yeah. Cause I think this is helpful because it's hard to, for Christians living in our post-Christian, Western, fast-paced like culture to imagine having any sort of rhythm and structure to our day um, and to integrate something like the daily office into our day or something like morning and evening prayer into mm-hmm. our day. Um, so it's it's been immensely helpful to me hearing people talk about what they do and just be comfortable talking about that, not in a prideful way, sure. um, but in just of like, a, hey, here's what works for me. This might work for you. This might not work for you. Um, I think as long as you're coming at it with the same heart of wanting to waste time with God, um, then to an extent, what you do becomes less important than why you're doing it, mm-hmm. of course. Um, so, yeah, I, I try to start – Emphasis on try because it's definitely not an always thing. Um, My days with like morning meditation, I've got a whole episode on meditation um, where I talk with a pastor from around here about like meditation as praying scripture, reading Mm -hmm. scripture, letting it like go deeper than your heart um, in you. Uh, Morning meditation and contemplation, which another episode about the contemplative tradition, Mm -hmm. that's a whole thing. Um, It's essentially sitting, allowing yourself to be loved by God. Um, and then hopefully, uh, that kind of carries with me throughout my day. If I have the time to be focused and, and, um, really apply myself and not just kind of roll out of bed and like, oh, I guess I'll do this. Um, and then that brings me to sort of midday and that looks different day to day Mm -hmm. where I'll do the Lord's prayer and I'll pray the Lord's prayer, um, in a way that's not recitation, but, uh, as sort of a template. I mean, it's recitation, but it's also like when I pray our father in heaven, I'm not just saying our father in heaven, I'm thinking of God as all around me and within me and within the people I'm looking at. Um, And then so on and so forth throughout Mm -hmm. the rest of the prayer. And then in the evening I try to do, um, intercession, petition, and, um, right before bed. I haven't done this in a while, but I used to do the examine, Mm -hmm. um, which is essentially like taking inventory of your day. Mm -hmm. Um, the things that happened, um, where you felt grace and God's presence, um, where you felt emotional pain, where maybe where you sinned, um, where you chose your own way and not God's. And then I guess ending by saying that, You'll choose God's way tomorrow. Um, And then sleeping with gratitude. Mm -hmm. Um, That's been really helpful. Inserting those times into my rule of life (laughs) um, and injecting spirituality into my day. And it's not this thing that I make my pour over, put my coffee down, crack open my Bible to like second Corinthians and then just like do that. And then like, that's where that stays and I'm done and I go about my day and I'm like I all day I would rather be able to be cruel to people et cetera. Et cetera. do you know what I mean yeah um it helps mitigate that and it also like it's not just a, a preventative thing it's an actually an additive thing like it actually does something to me as I move throughout my day um and has been genuinely a game changer yeah, yeah. um yeah
1: yeah. Um so one of the things um about the Anglican tradition is that we do have as a gift um this morning and evening prayer yeah. and and you know obviously it's not sort of just for Anglicans it can be for all sorts of folks. Um and so I I I mean I wish I could say like oh, I never miss. Um but that's not true.
0: Um, yeah, right, right.
1: And um I, I find myself like I'm just bad uh when it comes to to sort of a really hard and fast rule of life. Same, um, and, and I'm not, I don't say that proudly mm-hmm. or anything. It's just, but that's the truth. Um, mm-hmm. I'm just not good at it. Like
0: most people. And and I hope yeah. that
1: I'm growing in, in that. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I hope to, um, by God's grace. Um, but, um, one of the things that I like, um, to about morning and evening prayer is that it, it is, um, it, it's not, intended entirely to be your personal devotional life. It's the, this is from the book of common prayer. Mm, This is the church's Mm. prayers being gathered up together. Um, and so there's something important about, I mean, even when I'm by myself, I can join into the church's prayer Mm. life, um, by praying the same prayers that everybody else is praying this morning. Right. Um, and there's a beauty to that. Um but i don't think that that needs to be um you know the, the only thing i mm-hmm. do i sort of read morning prayer and i go great done you know until <laughs> this evening yeah um also you know sort of side note it, it takes about 16 17 minutes to read through morning or evening prayer hmm. ev- every day right like mm. it's not this huge yeah. thing um and um So anyways, for whatever that's worth, you know, for, I mean, a lot of times sort of time is so um, precious to us Mm -hmm. and we think, oh, I just couldn't, you know, sort of give that much of myself. It's like 17 minutes, you know? Um, But, but one of the things that the prayers of the church, morning and evening prayer, the Sunday liturgy, all that kind of stuff is mm. doing. And this is, you know, sort of bring back Jamie Smith's you are what you love. Sort yeah. of thing. Um, they're, they're forming us, they're teaching us how mm. to pray. Right. So ideally these, you know, my time spent with these things, um, is then f- sort of flowing into mm. overpouring into the rest of my life and, and giving me, um, different categories for prayer. Right. Um, um, Uh, so, you know, I don't know if you're familiar with the acronym ACTS, you know, you know, talk about Mm -hmm. adoration, confession, Thanksgiving, supplication, right? You know, people will say that's a, you know, good way to sort of structure your prayer. And I think it is a good way to structure your prayer. Um. I was having a conversation with a friend years ago, and we were sort of saying, like, I wonder if that fits with morning and evening prayer. Um, And and we said, yeah, but it's sort of like cast instead of acts. You start with confession, Mm. move to adoration, then thanks – then supplication. Yeah, right. Then 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 thanksgiving. Thanksgiving. Um, And there's a lot more to be said about that. Um, But but even there, right, like I'm being taught um, about – how I come to God, right? Like mm. I, I don't come to God in my own righteousness. Uh, and, and that's what I'm learning as I start out every time by confessing my sin to mm. God yeah, and, and, and owning up to, right. this is how this relationship works. I'm actually of my own, not worthy to come before mm. you. Um, so anyways, trying to allow that to shape my prayer life, um, my, my individual prayer life, uh-huh. the, the corporate prayer to, to form my individual private prayers. Um, I find throughout the day um, and maybe this is a little bit uh, easier in my line of work if you will or mm-hmm. my vocation yeah. um, because I'm just like confronted uh, pretty often with um, needs or mm-hmm. information you yeah. know about people that are um, part of my church um, where I-, I try to, because I'm really bad about sort of remembering and, and doing it later at night or whatever, mm-hmm. to just pause really briefly and to, to lift those things up and allow sometimes um, the, the shape of my day as it comes to me, not as I've sort of shaped mm-hmm. it, um, but but to sort of, um, yeah, provide the structure for coming to the Lord mm-hmm. and, instead of just saying like, oh, yeah, I'll pray for that, um, you know, but stopping and, and giving thanks for a new baby mm-hmm. that's been born yeah. or yeah. Uh, whatever. Um Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. I think I got off track there a little bit. But no, you're good. um, But yeah.
0: Yeah, I think um, it's it's what you were saying. More than anything, things like a a rule of life or or morning and evening prayer or sort of however you're thinking of fixed hour prayer, if you want to try practicing that, that I I think is great. And I think it's really good. And I don't want to say it's a means to an end because I don't think it is. But what it should be cultivating in you, I think, is that attentiveness to the moment where, like, something happens and your first reaction is to just pray for it. It's just pray. Whether it's a, a moment of interceding for the needs of someone or thanking God for a beautiful gift. You know what I mean? Um, whatever it is, I think things like fixed hour prayer are tra- – and, and – honestly, every type of prayer that we've talked about, like it is training you for the moment and it is training you to live prayerfully. And uh, we talk a lot about that in the episode on contemplation, obviously, Mm -hmm. because I think that is about living prayerfully. That's what that is. Um, I think that might be a means to an end. Um, But genuinely, I think when we do these things, we're more attuned to, the reality that we need to be walking in step with God um, in whatever we do. So that m- morning, noon, and night, like, spread out to fill the spaces between. So morning butts up against noon, and noon butts up against night, and it just repeats, right? And th- it's not like, oh, I pray for an hour at morning, noon, and night. It's like, no, I my outposts or my, my markers, my checkpoints, I guess, is, mm-hmm. is the word I'm looking for. It, our morning, noon, and night. And I pray all between. Um, that's what I think is supposed to happen from these things. Yeah. But
1: when I think one of the things about sort of fixed our prayers, I mean, it is a gift to mm. us and that, um, we have, I have a, an incredible ability mm-hmm. to forget God in the midst of my day, right. Yeah. And to, to try and do things in my own strength and, and to, to have a time to twice a day, um, you know if i'm if I'm following the the daily offices mm-hmm. um, twice a day to have an opportunity to say yep, I've screwed up um, <laughs> yeah and and to to confess and and not only to confess but to receive forgiveness uh-huh. um, from God mm. um, to to spend some time adoring mm. him right um, yeah. I don't do that naturally as well as I should or would like to, Mm. right? Like, so all of these things are are, are a gift and that they're actually good for me, whether I want them to be part of my day or not. Uh Um, There's this reorientation every time I sit down Yeah, that's the word. Mm -hmm. Um, and, And to say, no, actually, Chase you have some things to give thanks yeah, for. Yeah. Um, and so here's this, um, at the end of the daily offices, both morning and evening prayer, there's this general thanksgiving. It's one of my favorite prayers in the whole Book of Common Prayer. It's beautiful. I think, you know, if if people just, if that was all we prayed during mm-hmm. the day, it would be a really good start. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I think we're not, we're not, uh, inherently grateful people. Mm. It, it has to be learned. I've got a, 16 month year old daughter mm. and, and we've started to, you know, over the, the last little bit uh, when we hand her stuff, you know, what do you say? Or can you say thank you? Yeah. That sort of thing. Yeah. And it, it always feels weird a little bit to me because it's sort of like, I, I don't need her to say thanks. I wanted yeah. to get her her right, juice right. or whatever, you know? Um, But like, we're just not wired like that. Not uh-huh. our natural tendency is not to j- be grateful mm. in a lot of ways. Um, And so um, for me, I have to be trained to keep giving thanks Mm -hmm. um, even when things are going great, you know, um, um, but particularly to when things aren't going so great to Mm -hmm. be reminded of the fact that like um, God has done some incredible things for me Mm -hmm. um, and in my life and that sort of thing. And so in the midst of my sadness or sorrow or whatever it may be, I can also, you know, give thanks to him. And um, so, you know, there's some of that confession and adoration and thanksgiving and that sort of thing. Um, And and supplication too, right? It it teaches me, it forces me. Mm -hmm. If I prayed only the things that came to my mind every time I sat down to pray, it would be so self-centered and it would be so focused on me and my needs and that sort of thing. Mm -hmm. Um, But a set prayer... And a set time of prayer continues to sort of reorient me towards the other, right, mm. to um, the society in which I live, to the people who govern me, you know, asking mm-hmm. the Lord to give them wisdom um, to those in need, all that sort of yeah. stuff. Um, so I, I think um, that that having that at set times during the day yeah. where I'm forced to do that and reorient myself um, is a real gift yeah. and, you know. The, the thing is, this side of heaven, I think I'm always going to need yeah, um, to be reoriented. Mm-hmm. Um, if, if not only at the beginning and end of every day, but just all the time, right? Yeah. Um, but but there's a real gift in, in having some set times of prayer, um, and it, within those set times, even some set prayers um, that that turn me outside of myself. You know. Luther talks about you know, the problem mm-hmm. of us being turned in on ourselves, um, yeah, and that's what sin does to us. And and grace and truth open us back up towards God and to others, mm-hmm. um, and um, and this is grace and truth, right? yeah, um, that that we have as a gift to us mm-hmm. in, in our prayer life.
0: Yeah, I think as a like a final, we're butting up on time here. Sure. Um, as like a final, I guess encouragement action step like what you were talking about re reorientation, like take some time throughout your day, like listener, (laughs) that's weird. (laughs) And, um, like set times one or two or three or five, however many you need, um, to reorient yourself to God. And maybe those look like specific, like things for each time that you do it. Maybe it looks exactly the same each time you do it. Mm -hmm. Um, But I think at the very least, like, when you wake up and before you go to bed, um, just realign yourself to who God says you are and who God calls you to be um, and who God is, like, calling into himself, I guess. Um, But, yeah, thank you so much for coming on. This was a great conversation. Yeah, thanks for having me. Um, For sure. I think it's uh, been one of my favorites, truly. Um, partially because I, I don't know a lot about this stuff, and so it's cool to um, uh, like the the contemplation one. I dove into that head head first uh, about a year back. I've just been doing a lot of thinking on that and practicing on that, and so to talk about that was more like just me and a friend kind of nerding out. <laughs> but this was um, this was great, and, and thank you so much for taking the time. And um, yeah, I will see you next time. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Teach Us to Pray podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, go ahead and share it with your friends. We hope this conversation was helpful to you and to your practice of prayer. If you missed any of the other ones, you can go back and listen wherever you get your podcasts. I'll see you back here next week with a new guest and a new topic. Thanks again. Bye.